Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. My name is Karen Thomas, and I currently live in central North Carolina, um, moved here from upstate New York. Uh, before I had my near-death experience, uh, I was working as a physical therapist, and my husband and I had moved with our two small children to Alaska. Um, he had an opportunity for machine repair work there. And so we made the move and I was working in uh, one of the main trauma hospitals in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, I had injured my back and it was the second injury that I had to my back. I had first had surgery prior, about five years prior to that, recovered really well. Um, but there was a chance with this surgery that I might uh, have to have a fusion, possibly lose my career as a physical therapist. So I was quite concerned about that and asked a lot of people to pray for me on the day that I was having my surgery. And then I was brought in on the stretcher and down past a line of other ORs um, and then into the one that I was where I was going to be operated. And I remember moving over onto the table and I remember um, the fact that I was turned on face down on the table because they were opening, reopening my back to do the surgery. Um, and then they started the anesthetic and that was the last thing that I remembered. Um, of course, was unconscious, uh, but unexpectedly, I was suddenly conscious of being way up in, the, in a corner of this operating room suite. And in fact, just inches from ceiling tile. And I remember hearing a lot of noise and the sound of the surgeon swearing at, at one of the nurses. And, and it drew my attention back around. And I, it was just in time to see uh, the people in the OR flipping my body from being face down to face up and me realizing that that in fact was my body. And yet I was observing it from like a corner of the operating room. And uh, a nurse was rushing out and had been ordered to, to get blood transfusion. And I was calm and kind of disconnected from the fact that, yeah, that was my body. And, and yet I thought, well, if that's my body and I'm, I'm me and I'm here, that must mean that I'm, I've died. And then I thought immediately of my husband and my kids in the waiting room. And as soon as I began to think about, you know, where were they and could I possibly let them know that I was still alive, the essence of me. And as soon as I thought those things, um, my consciousness actually literally drifted through the wall of this OR and out into that hallway that I'd been brought down. 
and all the way down the hallway past the other operating rooms and through a double door entry that went in there and out into that hallway again. And at that point in time, I suddenly could hear a telepathic voice. And it said to me, pay attention to this man. And as soon as that was said, I noticed that there was a man um, dressed in just, you know, regular street clothes. And, and he was rushing back in the direction that I had just come from. And as I paid attention to him, I'm a nearsighted person. I, I have to wear glasses. My glasses were nowhere to be found. And yet I could literally see this man's features up close to the color of his eyes and the clothing that he was wearing. And then I began to literally hear his thoughts. And I heard him thinking, I've got to get in there. I've got to get in there fast. And, and so I consciously watched him rush back where I had come from. And then I heard the thoughts of another man who was down close to those double doors that I had come through. And this other man's thoughts were, what does this guy think he's doing? He can't go into that operating room area. You know, what does he think he's doing? And meanwhile, the first one that I was told to pay attention to, he paused for a moment and then the door swung open and he rushed on through. And as soon as that happened and I began to think, I've got to find this waiting room. Instead, I began to not be able to direct my own consciousness movement. And I felt as though I was being drawn, as though something was pulling me. And I was pulled up through the ceiling of the floor that I was on and, and up through the next floor, all the way out through the roof of the hospital. Once I was out you know, through the roof of the hospital, I'm up to about the level of the mountains that were right behind this hospital. And then I began being pulled more laterally. And I was pulled very, very quickly out over the city of Anchorage. And I remember distinctly thinking, well, it should be colder. I should feel wind going by me. I should feel things. And I didn't feel any of those sort of temperature or changes in wind or anything like that. But I was moving. I knew I was moving very quickly. And as I got to the edge of the water that Anchorage sits on, um, it began, there began to be like a dark circular opening that was where the water is. And I was pulled inside of that. And once I was inside that, I began moving even way, just so much faster than what I already had been moving. And it was very dark. I didn't see anything around me, and but far in the distance, I finally saw like a pinprick of light. And as I saw this light, it began getting bigger. And it was as I was coming closer and closer to it, moving through this darkened area, it got bigger and bigger and bigger until I reached the point where it, it took up the entire end of this and I burst into this light and once I, I burst into the light I began feeling completely filled with 
the most amazing peace, um, indescribable peace and love and, and bliss and joy and comfort and just all these amazing feelings. And I, my first thought was, well, where am I? And, and so I looked down and to where I thought my, my feet might be standing. I could not see any feet, but I did see the ground. And I saw that the ground was a very arid, dry, rocky type of a soil. And as I looked around, the rest of the landscape was the same kind of deserty, dry looking soil and rocky. And as I was kind of getting used to thinking, well, in my mind, I thought I'm dead. Okay, so I must be in heaven. This does not match what I ever thought was heaven. And so I'm puzzled and I'm looking and again, a telepathic voice spoke to me and it said, follow me. And when I heard the voice and looked in the direction of the voice, I noticed that there was a man who was climbing up a slope that came up out of this area that I, we had come into. And when he said, follow me, I was instantly only like about three, four feet behind him. And so I was looking at his back and trying to figure out, trying to see who was this person. And he had almost black hair and it was pulled back and tied with a piece of leather. And he had on what looked like, I guess I would call a toga type of a garment, but it only came down to about the middle of his thigh. Um, had just a simple belt around that. It was like an off-white color. And on his feet, he had sandals, but the sandals had leather ties that crisscrossed up his calves and tied right below his knees. So I'm looking at this man and I'm feeling this energy of, of love and concern and compassion for me just from him. And I thought, I must... I must know him. I mean, he seems to really care about me. And then my next thought, next thought was, but this isn't Jesus. And I thought if, if I'm dead, that I would instantly be with Jesus. And so puzzled, still confused and puzzled. We came up over this slope. And when we did, the entire scene was completely different. And it was very lush and green and vibrant and light was emanating from everything, from everything from the grass to flowers that were scattered through this field to trees that were in the distance to the leaves on the tree, everything was emanating light out of it and seemed completely alive. And so I was fascinated looking at this and my I began to call this man my guide and my guide had gone on ahead and again said to me, follow me. And I was across this entire field area right behind him again. And he, at this point, he was on the bank of a river. And the river was the most crystal clear, glistening, um, diamond-like 
river and thinking Bible, I was thinking um, the river of life, the, the waters of life and fascinated with it. But then my attention was drawn to the opposite shore. And on the opposite shore, I saw uh, my father who had died when I was only seven and my brother who had been killed in a car accident and different uncles and aunts who had passed away that that I knew and even if and even four people four people that I thought I should know but weren't familiar and I began to realize that they were my four grandparents who had all died before I was born and this group of people were just so overjoyed they were so thrilled that I was there and they said oh look she's here isn't it wonderful? And I just, I wanted to go and be with them so badly and wanted to go in that direction. But all this time I had been being pulled wherever, you know, wherever someone else, God wanted me to go. Um, and so my guide said, no, you can't, you can't go to them now. We have somewhere else you have to go first. And so I was then drawn as he went down the, the, the same bank of the river and around a bend in the river. And after the bend in the river, there was a huge opening. And in this opening, there was an enormous building that was so white. It was just, it was glowing like everything else that was in this area. And it was glistening and it had huge like marble stairs over, you know, going way up to an entryway. And there were columns, white columns, like you might see in a Roman or Greek building. And that at that place, I began to notice other spiritual people, um, beings who were there, who were together in small groups or going up the stairs or coming down. And my guide went up to the entry and said, to follow him and we the doors opened we went inside and inside this building turned into an enormous library and it had a huge long um, length of of tables that were in the center of this big wide um, entryway and on either side were um, bookshelves that were filled with books and old scrolls that went up as high as I could see. You know, could, I couldn't see a ceiling to it. It just kept going up and up. And the, my guide said at that point, this is where the books of life are stored, but we're not staying here, we're going through. So we went on through and into a hallway at the far back of this building, and then through a doorway into a smaller room and in this smaller room, there was a whole group of spiritual beings and they were sitting around like an oval, like you might think of a big conference table. Um, and when we came in, it was as though they had been waiting for us. And my guide then said, we're going to show you your life. Everything that happened has happened to you up to this point. And the middle of this conference table area 
um, became like a hologram. And it began having pictures of my entire life from the time I was born up until then. And not only did I see myself again in all these interactions with people, I, I felt everything I felt, but I also got to feel what the other person that I was interacting with felt. So in, in really good parts where as a physical therapist, I had helped someone to walk again who couldn't walk. I felt the joy and, and everything that happened to that person from recovering that way. In other sections where maybe as when I was a child and I was um, not mean to another kid, I, I felt what that kid felt like and how in, in one particular incident that I remember how this little boy had actually kind of liked me and he was joking and he called me, told me I looked like a worm and I was all, all concerned and crushed and felt terrible and and I just was so angry and I, I wouldn't talk to that boy after that and he felt so bad because he never meant for me to to be angry and upset he wanted me to like him he wanted me to laugh you know and I didn't know any of that and I was actually feeling both sides of it um so it seemed like it happened instantaneously, all of these events of my life. And yet I was feeling everything in depth all the way through. And then, um, and, and the people who were there, the spiritual beings who were there, I had a feeling that they had helped me plan my life before I was born. And nobody was um, judging me or saying, well, look where you could have done this and you did that bad thing instead, you know, there was none of that at all. It was complete acceptance and love and understanding. And so then they said, you can stay here or you can return to your life. But if, if you return to your life, we want to show you some things that, that some of them will definitely happen if you return to your life. Others may very well happen, but everyone has free will. And some, someone that you are planning to interact with, their free will choice may make this turn out differently than what we're going to show you. So then they showed me all these things about my future. And something else happened at this point that I that the memory has been blocked from me. Because the next thing I'm, I'm actually aware of is being in a totally different room with my guide, smaller room. And he's saying, I want to show you what's happening in the hospital. And I want to show you the prayers that people are praying for you. And so first he showed me off to the right. And it was musical notes like you would see written on a score of music. And he explained to me that each of these notes represented someone's prayer that they were praying for me. And that they were each linking one to another and coming up closer and closer to where we were. And, and I didn't hear anything. I mean, people have asked me before, you know, did you hear any sound of the music? And I no, it was just a visual representation. And my guide said, because every prayer has its own unique vibration. 
And that's why he showed it to me that way. And then off to my left, he went, he showed me as though I could see through the ceiling of the waiting room in the hospital. And I saw my husband at the doorway of the waiting room and the doctor who had operated on me in his surgical garb, talking to him. And then my two children behind and closer to a, a small sofa. And as that was happening, I heard the prayer of my daughter, who was nine at the time, and she thought the doctor being there meant that something terrible had happened and that I had died, and she prayed that I wasn't not that I not die. And when she prayed that, all of my emotions of being her mom and and my son's mom and my husband's wife and all my emotions of being who I am rushed back into me and the thought of my kids um, growing up without me like um, I had grown up without my father and so I, I knew I had to go back so I chose to go back to my life and my guide said to me at that point you'll be able to remember everything that you really need to remember but you won't be allowed to remember the things we showed you about your future. Because if you did, you wouldn't have your free will anymore. You'd be doing what you thought you were supposed to do as opposed to what you were personally choosing to do. So you will know and you'll have proof that this all was true. So at that point in time, I don't remember any return trip to my body. I, I only remember waking up in the recovery room with my husband and my kids there and that I had my, my mind and my body were coming, re responding to coming out of anesthesia. And so I was literally confused because I didn't know even why I had been in the hospital and my stomach was big and bloated because they had had to open up my entire abdomen to get to the area of an artery that had been cut near my spine. And so I looked at that and I literally was thinking, did I just have a baby? Because I was 32 at the time that all of this happened. And so that's how befuddled my brain consciousness was, my body's consciousness was. But at the same time, I was filled with that same love and peace and bliss that I had felt when I was on the other side. And also, all of the things that had taken place, like I just described to you, I, I was very aware of that. And I later in realizing this and thinking back carefully, I thought, well, I was, that was my spiritual consciousness, and that was completely clear, but my physical body's consciousness was not. So I was in ICU. I was in the hospital in total 12 days, and during that time frame, um, a man came in to check on, on me, a doctor, and when he walked in, I instantly recognized him as the man that I had first been told to pay attention to and that had been rushing in. And he had been called in stat 
from his office, which is why he was in street clothes and stuff, and uh, to try to save my life. And so after I was finally discharged and went home, I made up my mind that when I had to go and get the staples taken out, um, this, this doctor who had saved me was a very, very kind person the whole time I was in the hospital. So I made up my mind that I would tell him about what had happened to me that day in terms of what I saw and ask him, you know, about how I saw him in that hallway. And when I did that and did tell him, um, all he said was, how could you know that? And then he went on to say that, yeah, he had been in his office, he'd been seeing patients and he got this call and had to come from outside you know, to into the hospital to save me. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com specialoffer all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer.